Welcome back to Spare No Arrows. I'm here with a very special guest today, Mike Leenberger. And he is the creator of Spirit of Fear Clothing. You can rep your brand there. <laughs> Spirit of Fear Clothing. He makes uh, he makes a lot of cool clothing. Uh, and you can go follow him on Instagram at Spirit of Fear Clothing. He's got a website. And the main reason why I brought him on the show today is because Mike is a pre-millennial. And I am a post-millennial. I have talked a lot about eschatology uh, over the past few episodes. And Mike and I have carried on conversations uh, on Instagram behind the scenes. And I thought like, man, it would be so cool just to have a live discussion since uh, I don't get very much reasonable pushback in the comment section. And so I know you're a reasonable guy and you could, we could be able to participate in a reasonable discussion about premillennial versus postmillennial eschatology. So, Hey, welcome on the show, Mike. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I look forward to this. I've been listening to everything that you've put out and uh, agree or disagree. You know, I'm actually another point of disagreement that we have is I'm not reformed. So we can go into that too. (laughs) But I'm open to all of it. I, I'm very humble to realize, or no, shouldn't, I'm not going to brag like that, but I, I humbly understand that these are debates that have been going on for millennia, and there's faithful Christians on both sides, and I look to understand how both sides of it come to understand what they do. So I'm open to to a lot of it, and yeah. just this is where I find myself lining up as, as kind of a free will type person with the but trying to understand that that dichotomy between free will and what God is uh, predetermined as well as um, premillennial. But yeah. I see the postmillennial view. I like it too. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I think I'm, I see a lot of people really uh, staunchly entrenched in their stance and they think everybody else aside from them is a heretic because just because <laughs> something makes sense to them and uh, another view doesn't make sense to them. Uh, they all oh, they must be stupid or they must be heretical or you know they're, they're probably not even Christians and so yeah that's mm. the wrong way to be and so no matter what position you hold as long as it's within Christian orthodoxy and premillennialism is and postmillennialism is and amillennialism is then we right. should all just be willing to get along and at the church that I go to uh, this is there's a wonderful example of this where we have premillennials and amillennials and postmillennials and we have reformed and non-reformed and we have uh well we might have non-reformed but we have um uh credo baptist and pedo baptist like we have all over the place and and the important thing is unity and being able to have you know these these disagreements without on secondary issues without dividing and this definitely is a secondary issue although i think it is really important and it does impact yep. how we behave and and you know the the things we do on earth uh towards a certain goal because you know how how sure. the world is going to end up eschatology for people who don't know is the idea of how the world is going to end up where the world's going and premillennialism and postmillennialism look very different and so i think and you right. probably yeah. also think that that you know very much impacts how we uh how we behave on earth now premillennialism is uh, and then you can correct me or add stuff if you disagree at all but premillennialism uh, the millennium is referred to as the millennial reign of christ this like perfect situation where christ reigns and um you know christ is ruling and the world is a pretty good place if not perfect and 
Pre-millennialism believes that Jesus returns pre that reign. So Jesus returns, he wipes out all the evil, and then he reigns. Post-millennialism says that Jesus's reign is actually right now, and Jesus is reigning, and this millennial kingdom uh, is the kingdom of God that was instituted, uh, you know, when Jesus ascended, and yeah. that is lasting now until Jesus's enemies will be made his footstool. Then Jesus returns post the millennium. Correct. Yeah. Is yeah. It? Cool. So you agree with that? So what? Uh, why are you a premillennial? Well, I mean, as you've talked about before, my predominant upbringing is in the pre-mill worldview, right? Um, churches that I've gone to, my par- parents are, are big into it. My mom, especially, uh, is just awaiting the day of his return, which, I mean, hey, we all are, right? And I mean, so am I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, what I see so much of is, is that futurist prophecy and how much of it is kind of coming true. And I'm not talking the sensational type stuff that people are like, oh, this happened over here, so that must be it. But just the general trend of of things. And again, I can understand your argument because I've heard too talking about, you know, the scope of the world is getting better. Um, so I do see that. But I also see, I feel like it's two directions. I feel like in one side, you've got the general I say world is getting better uh, as far as more people are coming to know Christ and more people are turning. Uh, but on the other side, you've got the, for lack of a better term, we'll call them the elite status, the kind of ruling class, these people that, that think that they're over pretty much everyone because of either power or influence or, or money. Um, the tools that they've been, are, are given are more and more towards what it seems like is described to me, at least in, in, in having, like I said, a futurist viewpoint of revelation, there seems like a lot of that is being coming available that was never in place before. This mm. kind of coming together of like what they call the one world government was never really an option in the past. And it's still tenuous because you've got China. China's never really going to participate in something like that. But also, they, you know, if you believe the, um, the premillennial viewpoint, there's you know, China doesn't really, there is warring between this one world government as well. Right. Mm. But I mean, like I said, the control pieces of it with, with social media, with one, the, the um, central currencies with uh, all these pieces that there are, and then you have like the Neuralink fortune coming up. Does, does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So what I, what it sounds like you're kind of saying is that revelation points to a lot of, um, what seems to be one world government type stuff. I don't know if I would agree with that. And if you have any specifics, we can talk about the specifics. So in in premillennialism, it basically believes that the world is getting worse and worse and all of this destruction and um, a lot of the prophecies, this futurist interpretation of these prophecies says that all of these things are yet to come. But my position, I think that a lot of the, a lot of the prophecies in revelation, uh, are still yet to come like the new heavens and new earth are not here yet of course but a lot of the uh the ideas of like for example the the destruction that jesus refers to in matthew 24 which i think is one of the key verses for me that that 
changed my mind over to post-millennialism just over the past few years. Uh, I think that has already happened. And uh-huh. so I think that's one of the biggest difference differences between our views. And so one of the the most convincing things for you for premillennialism is the fact that um, the world seems to be more uh, like more evil seems to be empowered in the world than it used to be. So like I would say the world is getting better and better, but then you would agree with that, but you would also say it's getting worse and worse. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. So I hold both viewpoints at the same time. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like good is getting more good, but the bad is also getting more bad. Is that what I, I don't want to mischaracterize what you're saying. No, fair enough. Uh, I would agree. Yeah. I would say that the bad has more tools at their disposal, like I said, than ever in history yeah, to, true. to get to where they ultimately would like to be. I mean, you wouldn't disagree. I, I would think that there are people out there who would love to have full control over our lives. Oh Some yeah, sort for of sure. Aristocracy of of the powerful. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, why wouldn't it? It's, it's always been a part of history. I mean, you have kings and queens, and they always thought they were better than the people. Yeah. We don't necessarily have that now, but it, we kind of do. It's like a hidden aristocracy. We don't know who they are. They're not sitting on a throne somewhere that we have to worship them yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of in, in some places or uh, they literally worship their rulers. And uh, even in America, like in a way, a lot of people worship, you know, if not the president, they worship the idea of the government. Like a lot of people yeah. who were closing their churches uh, and oh, kept them closed for way too long definitely showed that their God was not the God of the Bible, but it was the God of the government. And so, yeah, that's, that's totally happening. Uh, but how is that any different than people who, you know, obviously you, you and I would both agree that there are people who are power hungry control freaks that have existed since the beginning of time tyrants. Mm -hmm. Uh, so how, how are things actually, um, moving closer to that direction for us? Is it because of our technology? I would think so. That that's where I would put it for sure. It's the the, the ability to of coll- for collusion between them yeah. that was never really never really in place before. I mean, you couldn't have the king of England necessarily teaming up with you know someone in Africa. They could they would conquer you know and, and expand their own influence, but this kind of global peace that was never really available in the past because we didn't have air travel we didn't have the internet we didn't have all these technological advances that are coming up and enabling this kind of this collusion of of uh, of forces yeah yeah that's interesting because i see technology and you know just from looking at the world uh and i like you agreed actually that we're better off today than we ever have been in the past, (laughs) which a lot of premillennials would not admit that they would say like, no, that doesn't fit into my theology. Some like we have to be worse off now because like the, the world has to be getting worse. And that's just what the Bible says, even though I would disagree with that. But, and, and it sounds like you disagree with that. But, um, I, when I see technology, yeah, like every, every new piece of technology or every new tool that we create, has the ability to do evil, but it also has the ability to yes. do good. And so yes. with every piece of technology that comes out, yeah, we can 
uh, you know, you can use like the internet to take away people's privacy and do surveillance and control people. But you can also use the internet to like, you know, send the Bible to millions and millions and millions of people and translate it automatically and, you know, evangelize and, and share more Christian content than people ever could before in history and, and so on. And so I see technology as like, yeah, it can do evil, but it can also do good. And it, the net is that the world is becoming a better place through technology and not worse. So we both recognize that the, that the world is, um, is both getting better and worse in different ways. Uh, but maybe the, one of the biggest differences between our views is that I think the good is going to overcome in the end. And you think that evil is going to overcome in the end. No, I mean, barring, well, exactly. barring the second coming because Jesus yeah. is going to come back and he's going to make everything good. Right. But I mean, right before that does, cause what a lot of premillennials say, yeah, like, uh, you're familiar with John MacArthur. John MacArthur's famous uh, for saying, like, we lose here. That's what I'm talking about. I want to say that we win here. And then a lot of premillennials, they don't like what John MacArthur said because they're like, no, no, no. Because, I mean, if you're a Christian, you win anyway. But, but like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying on earth, God's plan for humanity prior to his second coming, is it for the church to overcome evil? Is it for the church to fill the earth or is it for the church to be defeated by evil so that God can swoop in and, and, um, to, and fix everything himself. Yeah. So you would, are you comfortable saying we lose here? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if I, if I've thought of it that way or put it that way, though, the way you laid it out, I can see how you would, you, you would put it in those terms. Yeah. John MacArthur does at least, and, and you might not, but it does yeah. seem physically we lose. And uh, to me, I, I mean, I, it, to me, it, it's, it seems impossible to get out of, but if you can get out of it, I would like to see it, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah. And that's, I guess the framing of win or lose may, might be a little too black and white mm. for what I would think of it. But if you're going to put it in those terms, I guess I'd, I, I would probably lean towards the losing side of things. Yeah. But I, and that's good. That's, I think that's being honest like that. I yeah. appreciate that. And like, that's the thing that I contended with, like to, something inside of me makes that not feel right. Like mm. it doesn't, it doesn't feel right saying the church loses, even though, even though God, you know, comes in and rescues them at the end. Like it doesn't feel right saying that. So I, I think I understand the tension. I'd have to put more thought through that idea though. Like I said, I mean, I respect John MacArthur and I think, you know, not, I don't agree with obviously everything that he, he thinks and I, w- I wouldn't agree with anyone entirely on anything, which I don't think we should, but um, to say again, that the church loses is, is tough for me to, to put it in that way just not right. because i don't <laughs> agree with it but it's just it's, hmm. yeah i don't know how i would characterize it like i said if you wanted a black and white term then yeah i guess we're going to say the church loses but i think the church is doing everything and it can even be growing and expanding as it, as i believe it actually is right now i think that um like i said there's a lot of with over the last what are we talking five to ten years 
especially in North America, I'm not necessarily speaking to worldwide, although I know that there is movement there too. Um, you're seeing a lot of people waking up to just the garbage that we've been dealing with, yeah. you know, whether you call it woke culture or all these other things. And, and there's a, a big pushback against that, which again, I think those people that are on that side are trying to hide since they control most of our media and whatnot. They're trying to hide that, that pushback that they're getting. Um, yeah. But I do see people turning, but I don't know that necessarily um i don't know that like like i said i think the church continues it grows and it's building and then christ yeah then then that return comes anyways <laughs> yeah because i, yeah. I apparently, you know, that that second that that tribulation that we talk about the seven-year tribulation that that people and i'm a pre-trib if i'm gonna if i'm anything i'm pre-trib uh pre-millennial for sure mm -hmm. because um, there's too many instances of the of the people being rescued. You know the the, stere the archetype of Noah and and uh, Joseph and and his family and all these sort of things of people being rescued before trials. The, the faithful being rescued before trials. Yeah. Explain that. What do you mean by pre-trib, pre-millennial? Sure, of course. Well, I mean, yeah, I give an explanation for people. Is uh, so there's a seven-year tribulation of a very difficult time. I would believe that the tribulation period is for the Jewish believers to uh, to turn them back. It's that time of difficulty and they will, you know, ultimately benefit with a return to Christ or to coming to know Christ. Um, and it's, what is it, seven years, three and a half good years where things on earth seem decent and then three and a half years of much worse times. Something and like that, that, yeah. Yeah, and so the pre- Tribulation would talk, it talks about a rapture happening prior to those seven years of Christ's church. And there are other beliefs of a post or a mid-trip rapture, where, you know, three and a half years in, people get plucked out. And then the post-trib yeah. uh, post rapture, which doesn't make much sense to me at all. Yeah, and I don't believe in the rapture. Well, I mean, it depends on how you want to define rapture, but like rapture as in a a taking up of God's people. I think that happens during the resurrection. And so there will be a right. kind of rapture, but often when people think of rapture is like the left behind series, people's yes. uh, are just going to vanish and their clothes are going to flop down on the ground, which I mean, is that what you think is something like that is going to happen? Yeah. Well, I don't know the technical, you don't know exactly what it direction. looks like, of course, but just yeah. like people, people will somehow in some event just vanish off the earth and then the unfaithful yeah. will remain for, okay. Interesting. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do believe that way. Again, I don't hold any of this. It's not core to yeah. what I believe, um, but that is the way that I would lean. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so another question I wanted to ask is: so that that was one of the things that was difficult for me, uh, which led to my conversion to postmillennialism. The idea that like the church loses here, I was like, ah, something doesn't feel right about that. I think, you know, if God establishes this thing, it uh, it ought to not be destroyed if it's if it's like his fundamental plan for working out his salvation in the world, which is the church. Um, mm -hmm. But the other thing that I really struggled with that ended up um, taking me into postmillennialism was the idea that uh, Jesus. Is, so I believe that Jesus is king now. He is mm -hmm. he is ruling in heaven now. He's not king later. He's not king once he 
uh, once the second coming happens, he's king now. So what, where do you stand on that? Yeah, you know, I haven't done a ton of looking into kind of consistent theology or eschatology theology with this piece. I agree with you. Mm. Um, mm. No, I do. I mean, I, I says it clearly, like he's taken the seat. So I do agree with you in that. Um, yeah. How that plays out on earth is not, I don't quite, like I said, I haven't done enough diving into that piece of it yeah. um, to, to to explain, like I said, the, the idea that yes, he's the king and yes, bad stuff's happening. You know what I mean? And, right. and so I do yeah, I, think that the, the Satan, I, I, I do think that Satan is still, is not bound, right? Mm, until, okay. the, until the millennium. Um, and that he does have somewhat, I don't know, like a, he has a leash, but he has like a lot of control over what goes on. Yeah, I would actually agree with you. So in my view that um, Satan is bound during the millennium, like the uh, like the Bible says, and if we okay. are currently in the millennial reign of Christ and Christ is actually reigning, uh, you know, we have to ask, like, as a premillennial, you're going to have to be like, well, I mean, Christ, That that's why a lot of premillennials deny the idea that Christ is king now because they they know if christ is king then that must mean that like satan is bound and that his kingdom you know things are going to be getting better and they just have to believe that things are getting worse and so therefore they throw out all the other stuff too um and so like it's we agree on this actually so this is awesome but what i would say i would actually agree with you on the idea about satan where uh, because this is the millennium and i do believe that satan is bound but there is still like Satan no longer has total rule over the earth. He's bound. He's not destroyed, but he's bound. So like he, like okay. you said, he's, he's on a leash. Like I, I would, that's to me a perfect description. Like he is bound in a leash, you know, he's, he's not he's bound le- physically can't move, but he's bound within boundaries. Yeah. He's not bound to where he can do nothing or exert no influence because obviously right. Satan still has influence in the world. And so, you know, and post-millennialists believe that, but Satan is limited in his power. It's interesting. Yeah. Because I know in like the, again, the post-millennial idea or sorry, the pre-millennial idea, uh, you're looking at an actual binding and removing from, yeah. from the earth kind of thing that Christ Christ comes like, yeah, he reigns currently from heaven, but he will reign on earth for the millennium is as a premillennial viewpoint. And yeah. it, during that time, Satan will be bound completely. Like he won't have the ability to, to influence is in my understanding of it. But what happens is that it allows what ends up happening is it, it, it just shows the, the depravity of man still that we still rebel without the influence of the devil being involved. And then by the end of the, that pre-millennial, you know, thousand years, you have that full out rebellion against Christ's rule of our own volition without, uh, without external forces, you know, pushing that. I wanted to also dive into some Bible verses and to talk about maybe some of the specific prophecies or, or the different ways that we interpret them. Like I understand the the idea that a lot of the prophecies had been fulfilled, right? Yep. I mean, that's I think most free millennial will will agree that the prophecies that you talked about or that you talk about, like the temple and all that sort of stuff, 
um, or the, the, the fall of a lot of that happened in 70 AD. It's just that the futurists will say that it has a double meaning, right? Like a lot ah, of this. Okay. It'll have the, the one fulfillment and then a secondary fulfillment as well. Interesting. And is that where you are? I would think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't see a lot. Well, so one I wanted to go to specifically um, Matthew 24, which is where Jesus is describing the destruction of the temple and then the end of the age. Um, mm -hmm. Because that, uh, I'm curious if you would say there's two different um, fulfillments of this prophecy or if you would just say this happens in the future. Because I think most premillennials that I've seen want to say that this only happened in the future and none of this has happened. At least this this particular prophecy has happened in the past. Uh, another key verse that I want to get your opinion on, it, what he says is, um, and I can I can look it up while you're responding if you'd like me to, but he says all of, all of these things will come to pass before this generation passes away. Yeah, and so I do, so I am influenced by more the, the Calvary Chapel uh, teaching. And okay. so that's what I'm finding out. Like I'm, I'm currently attending a Calvary chapel. So they, I feel like they're a little bit out of step with more of the, the older historical churches like the, uh, and their premillennial views. Um, mm. so yeah, I do think that there is, was a, a, a portion of fulfillment in that, but then it's also has a fulfillment down the road. In, in all of those sort of things, right? When so Jesus, large... yeah, when Jesus is describing uh, the the verse I was referring to, by the way, it was just a few verses later. In, in verse thirty four, he says, "Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away." So I I've heard the uh, multiple um, fulfillments kind of uh -huh. idea. And I think some of that maybe comes from like uh, a lot of the prophecies or a lot of the the things that David did like also apply to Christ. And a lot of the things that a lot of characters in the Bible do also apply to Christ later. And so in that way, things have multiple fulfillments. Like there are prophecies about judgment and we can say like, well, there are there are multiple judgments in the future. And so when God gives some kind of prophecy to Israel that says, if you sin, I will destroy you. Then we can say like, oh, well, that prophecy is has multiple fulfillments because right. that's all through time. But it's like uh, if, if a prophecy is so specific, I don't see any reason to believe that it would have multiple fulfillments, especially if Jesus says something like all of these things will come to pass before this generation passes away. And he says earlier, one of the verses I read was, um, nothing, nothing this bad has ever happened. Uh, when he was talking about the destruction of the temple, nothing this bad has ever happened and it never will happen again. Like that, that seems to me to totally invalidate the idea of mm. a second, um, a second fulfillment That's of fair. that prophecy. Yeah. And again, uh, even I should have said this before, but, like that's the Matthew 24, which I know a lot of people look to, uh, especially Premill, as end times prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not necessarily convinced either that all of or most of Matthew 24 really is uh, end times prophecy either. Um, I think it might. Nice. Be no, I agree with you. Uh, I do head <laughs> towards like more of the Thessalonians, the Revelation stuff in there, yeah. but um, I do see that 
I, I've listened to, again, I, credit where credit's due. Uh, it was Calvary Chapel teaching through one of their online apps. It was talking about, yeah, this may not really have been about, about like about the end, the end times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think I think it's honest to read, um, you know, even even for me, not everything makes sense under my view. And that's that's not necessarily because it's incorrect, because, you know, somebody's correct. Either Jesus is coming sure. back before the millennium or after like one of them has to be true unless you're an amillennialist and then like whatever they say. <laughs> like, whatever they say. Well, Amillennialism means there's no millennium, but there is a millennium, but amillennialists don't actually believe that there's no millennium, but just like, anyway, forget that. I'm not a fan of the amillennial or the definitely, and I think it's um, probably heretical, the um, entirely preterist viewpoint as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To believe that everything in Revelation happened in the past is, so that's not what I believe at all. I'm a partial no, preterist. Yeah. And, and, and so are you to believe that some of the prophecies in revelation sure. have already come to pass. And so like everybody should be a partial preterist, but to believe that everything happened in the past means like you believe Jesus already returned, which is, yeah, that, that would be considered heresy, but it, it, uh, it's interesting because, you know, it's, it's hard to make sense of absolutely everything in the Bible. And so my goal is to pick the position with the least number of problems you know, there are going to be difficulties for me. There's going to be difficulties for every position, but the goal should be to pick the position with the least number of problems. And so, I mean, if you're reading a passage uh, or like, you know, what your church teaches and to say like, you know, this, this might, this is like, I don't, I don't really know what to do with this. I think that's good. Like that's being honest. Now we should, we should try to figure out what to do with those things. <laughs> But I think that's a lot more honest than like, no, all this happened. I, I don't care what you think. Or like, I, you know, I, I yeah. uh, it, it well, had like to said, happen because I look at the world and it's worse today than it was 10 years ago. And that's, that's the foundation of their whole argument. Yeah. And, and it, it is. is. And like, that's true. It, the world yeah. is worse than it was 10 years, or at least America, right? America is worse than it was 10 years ago. But I'm trying to see the big picture. Is yeah. the world better than it was 2000 years ago? Absolutely it was. Yeah, it's that argument um, that a number of making is, is it's like we're going through another dark ages right now uh, as far as, uh, you know, information and, and the way things are going with the world. But that doesn't mean that in the post-millennial, obviously, that this is like a, a dark portion on an upward trend. You know, it's like... Yeah, exactly. Like on, a, like on a graph, we're in, we're in a valley. Like I fully recognize yeah. that things are worse than they were for like America is morally worse than it was for my parents or my grandparents. But is it morally worse than it was in the 1600s when native American tribes were cannibalizing each other? No, <laughs> it's far better. And some people yeah. would, some people like, you know, without actually giving me evidence in my comment section, they're like, no, the world is like uh, Christians were far, are far more persecuted now than ever. And I would I, say like, well, there, we there are absolutely that. Right. Nice. So we agree on yeah. that too. It's like, there are more people in the world. And so maybe you could argue like there's more, a bigger number of Christians being persecuted. However, like, you know, one of the things I say is in, in the Roman empire, the biggest and most civilized empire on the planet was killing Christians on mass as many as they could find and sticking their heads on pikes, lining the road. The only countries that are killing Christians, uh, a lot of them, 
are uncivilized uh, countries led by Islam, right? No, no major civilized country is murdering Christians on mass. There might be some Christians being killed for their faith in some civilized countries. Yes. But like, is it, is it the, the whole country's position? Like Christians need to die. No, not at all. Far from it. We are far better in the world as we were back then. And what I'm doing is just extrapolating that out for another few hundred or few thousand years and saying like, well, if, if we've come this far in 2000 years, then it really does seem feasible that like it says in Ephesians, um, the church will fill him who fills all in all, or the, the leaven will leaven the whole lump of bread. And then, you know, the whole world will come to know Christ. And see, that's where I get, again, part of like a, a, maybe I'm I'm just picking things off the shelf that I think work best for me um, and not, you know, jumping in wholeheartedly to one uh, viewpoint. But again, I agree with you. I think the world is getting better. And then I go back to what I was talking about. You're a post-millennial, I think. You you are Uh, like teetering. I go go back to (laughs) that, that on the whole, things are getting better. And you have that, it's that technocracy, the, the, uh, the piece there that where things are getting easier to control. And I think that that's, that's the piece where um, I can still go towards the premillennial view, because while I think things are getting better for people, technology is getting, keeping people healthier, lives are getting better. um, But there's still that it's also that double-edged sword. While, while things are getting better because of it, it also is creating that ability for, for what most Pre-millennials would say is that end time power control, all that sort of stuff. By a select few, it doesn't have to be global, horrible, unless they, unless they like overnight, it's like now the world is, now everything's bad because they've been forced. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So do you see like, it's funny that we agree on this because like, I've literally never met any other pre-millennial that's like, no, yeah, obviously the world's getting better. (laughs) But do you see do you see the world like getting better and better and better until a certain point the bad guys just are unleashed and then you know everything terrible happens and then you know all the Christians are wiped out or raptured and then Jesus comes back? That yeah, that seems know. narratively strange to me. But yeah, you tell me. I don't know that it would be. Uh, again, I don't think it would be like a, a just like a boom here it goes. It's it's like yeah. anything in life. It's a it's a that boiling point piece, right? Or that not boiling point, but like it's just while things are getting, they're both coming like this, right? Yeah. Things, the world's getting better, and the power and ability for, and maybe this is completely incoherent to the theology, or to the eschatology. But I see that. Again, I, th- I think that, I see what you're saying, but at some point, the bad has to conquer the good, and so what you're saying is like, or the, it gets you to know, the point, or or it gets right there. And that's when the rapture happens when they're, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just, I'm uh, I, I kind of see what you're saying. Yeah. So you're saying the world can be like, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't see how that would be possible just because right. like here in America, uh, things are bad, but there's also a lot of good, you know, happening to whatever at, at some point, like I think in terms of maybe net good, the world is more net good now than it was 2000 years ago. And there is a greater amount of evil, but like as evil increases, like good increases even more is the way I see things. And because like, you know, Christianity has spread to 
most of the nations in the world. And, you know, a lot of people have apostatized, but even more have come to Christ and Christianity spreading. And like almost nobody has never heard of Jesus in the world anymore. It's yeah. amazing. And a, a lot of people, ha- people are going to be like, no, there's tons of people who don't know Jesus. I know, <laughs> but relatively speaking, you know, uh, people in, in nearly every nation in the world, ha- some people in every nation have heard of Jesus and it's incredible. Yeah. But, um, it, to me, that would have to take some kind of reverse direction at some point for things to become so bad. Like, you know, a part of a, a really important part of my faith is to, or, you know, my, what I talk about on my podcast, as you know, is <clears throat> Christians have to live faithfully. And so I think as the world becomes more and more Christian, which it is, the world will become a morally better and better place and it will become more and more resistant to evil. And so I think if, if there is good in the world, then it automatically is resistant against that evil. And if, and if like those big evil guys come to take over the world, in my view, they're going to lose like, mm-hmm. but, but in your view, you would have to say, no, they win. The Christians lose, which kind of takes us back to the point that like the church has to lose in the yeah. in premillennialism. Yeah, fair enough. That's the way I, I, I do kind of see that it's a very, yeah, you're right. It's a negative, it's a cynical viewpoint on how things go. Um, I mean, you look at historical examples and again, I I know they aren't an analog exactly, but I mean, the evil people, like, I mean, let's take the, the obvious, the Hitler example, right? Where he takes a country that there's tons of different pieces and, and uh, political pieces and historical um, ec- economic pieces that, there, but it all comes together and you have a Hitler come up and he is able to direct the entire nation against the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like at scale today? Right. Yeah. That's, that's where I kind of go with, with that thought process. Interesting. Yeah. And to me, it it seems like, and and, you know, ultimately all of this is speculation because it's like, what's going to happen in the future? In my view, it's entirely possible that, you know, America and let's say like, you know, half the nations in the, in the world are destroyed by nuclear war and then things get better over the next 2000 years. You know what I mean? So like that, that 100% fits into my view, as long as the world gets better and better and the gospel fills the earth and then knowing that Jesus is reigning now and he yeah. will come back once his enemies are made his footstool, like it says in Psalm two, I believe, uh, then, you know, bad stuff can happen. Like, you know, we, we, I think we can lose battles. Like the church certainly can lose battles. I'm 100% comfortable saying that, but I don't want to say that the church loses the war. Mm-hmm. Like the, uh, and I think in the premillennial position, you have to say the church can win battles. The church can win or lose battles but the church has to lose the war. And then Jesus comes in and defeats the enemies, not the church, but, but Jesus. But I see the church as, as the body of Christ. It's the mechanism that God uses to defeat his enemies on earth. His enemies are laid under his feet by the church, by, and not by force either. Cause a lot of other people are like, Oh, you know, God doesn't force people to believe. And I'm like, where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no, by, by the spreading of the gospel, this happens. Yeah, that fallacy. Like, there's a few things. Like, I know um, that's one way when we talk about because circling back, it was all talking about 
Christian nationalism and things where that came in and that oh, yeah. sort of, that's where the conversation started in all of this um, yeah. back in your previous podcasts. And yeah, there's like, well, of course it's a Christian nation. We're not, doesn't mean that we're forcing people. It's not like an Islamic type of thing where, you know, everything's by Sharia law and you're forced. It's yeah. like Christianity is the basis of freedom. Like that's what the U S was founded on. Um, and that allowed for anything really um, within reasons. I mean, the founders had much better values than, than we give them credit for a lot of times in today's uh, they wouldn't, they would have seen a secular culture that we, that we live in now and it would, it'll have them rolling in their graves. That's but for sure. Personal takeaway from, from eschatology looking at all of this is one, you know, I still hold the premillennial viewpoint. And like I said, I'm open to the post-millennial. I'm that pan-millennial, whatever happens, happens. And God's got it in control and I don't. But I have to come back to how does that affect me? Because I see, thing I see with the, the post-millennial, the problem with the post-millennials, or potentially, and I'm not saying it's everyone, but it's that, sure. it's that well, we've got forever. So it's kind of a lackadaisical attitude and it doesn't happen again i'm not saying that most people are like this but i'm saying that's yeah, the that would be the, the natural ditch. temptation yeah sure the one ditch right especially with the reformed portion of that saying that you know god determines off the bat who is who's elected who isn't so really you can take your hands off the wheel and just let everything go wherever it goes right and then you end up in that ditch Right. So that's one side where I definitely see the premillennial side. And I see this in um, a lot of people that I know where they're so focused on the return of Christ that they lose a lot of the future planning, the thought yeah. of, of down the road. Right. They're like, right. oh, he's going to come back any time now. It'll be right away. And there's not that postmillennial the, the proper postmillennial view of, of planning out for the future and, and looking at future things and so what i've always said is that or i shouldn't say always what i'm looking at is i want to live my life with the urgency of a premillennial yeah and the planning of a postmillennial yeah that's good yeah i think i think however just to push that a little <laughs> bit i think that is only possible if postmillennialism is true because if if you are planning out for you know like your great 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 grandkids it would actually be unwise of you to do that if Jesus is going to come back tomorrow, right? Our our lives are lived very differently. We make different investments. We make different choices if if we think, and a lot of people do, like Jesus could come back any day now. A ton yeah. of people believe that. And I think, man, that's totally unwise because, you know, if he doesn't, you know, there are all those scams that people get bought into where it's like, you know, I, yeah. I'll I'll take pay me to take care of your dog once you're raptured, that kind of thing. And like, we, we only hire atheists, you know, or whatever happened, like 20, yeah. tw uh, whatever year it was, <laughs> but like people buy into that stuff. Yeah. And it, uh, if you like, if you're a premillennial and you think now some premillennials believe like, Oh no, it's still going to be a few hundred years because we're not that bad yet. And so, and I think that's far more reasonable, but, um, to me, we should be planning, hundreds, you know, we should be planning with our great, 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 great grandchildren in mind. And it seems to me under premillennialism, that would be unwise to do automatically because Jesus could come back potentially any day. But under postmillennialism, we still have to share the gospel to the world. And 
to me, I, I still very much have that urgency to share the gospel because the, the more I share the gospel, the faster Jesus is going to come back because I know once the world right. comes to Christ, Jesus is going to come back. And certainly that's missed in a lot of, I mean, I don't know the, the post millennials that I'm familiar with are very dedicated to sharing the gospel, but I can see, like, let's say I, a lot all millennials, I think all, all millennials make up probably the most of uh, evangelical Christianity in America, and they're not good evangelists, but I think the post-millennials are very good evangelists. <laughs> and I don't disagree with you. I mean, I look at some of the people that I do follow, like um, Doug Wilson, um, oh, yeah. James White. Uh, and then, again, I don't agree with everything they have to say, but I, sure. I really love the wisdom that they that they have for sure. Oh, and these are faithful guys that, of course, I mean, their evangelism is 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 off the charts. There's yeah. so that that, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I agree with, I mean, because I don't know the hour of the day. Um, he could be tomorrow. He could be 200 years from now. He could be 2,000 years from now. Uh, I think as a premillennial, a prudent viewpoint is to live with that future planning in mind. Um, but I understand where people have that failure and they think, oh, he's coming right away. We should... And that's where I go back to, again, the Christian nationalism thing and, and whatnot. And, you know, the discussions that I've had with other premillennials, they're like, well, don't worry about that. We're, our focus is time is short. We just need to focus on saving as many as we can, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I say, yeah, that's great. We should be focused on saving anything we can. And I'm not saying that yeah. you personally need to get into politics. I say, but if somebody has that bent and that direction, why shouldn't we get behind them? I mean, technically, we're all in politics. Anything we do every day, that's part of being political, is talking with people is political. But we should be, we should seek for righteousness in the land. Like, even if I didn't think that it's going to work, yeah. right? Yeah, that's good. Why wouldn't I want to be found when Christ returns doing what was, what he was right, going after righteousness, chasing after that, even if ultimately uh, in the, I thought that I was going to be defeated, if that's where we're going to put it. As a Christian, I should still be chasing after righteousness for myself, for my family, for my community, for my country. And that means being active in, in the political sphere as well. Wow. And if I can put somebody into politics or into place that has um, a Christian viewpoint and I can put more people that way and more like, sure, I would love to see well, your country, I mean, I'm in Canada, but I'd love to see your country turn and somehow, I don't know how it would happen, but see Canada turn back to Christ. Yeah. I mean, we were founded on, on Christian principles too, right? Yeah. It's all in our in our be beginning. Um, it's all over our parliament buildings. There's scripture written everywhere from sea to sea uh, was was part of our foundation. And that comes, uh, I think it's in Psalms, is, it talks about uh, his dominion from sea to sea. That's why we were founded as the Dominion of Canada, because mm. it re references that that verse. The Canadian flag, the, the, the Canadian flag with the two red bars was initially supposed to be two blue bars indicating from sea to sea. He has dominion from sea to sea. Mm. So that's so both cool. countries have that have that backbone that we've run away from. And I think, like I said, as a as a Christian. Um, I mean, people work as Christians in places where they, where everything's against them all the time. And mm -hmm. they, you know, you, let's say China, for example, right? The government is against them. Do people just be like, uh, do they give up? And, uh, you know, you fight the fight 
whether you think you're going to win it or not, because that's what Christ would have us do. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. It, we, we definitely agree on more than we disagree on. And it sounds like you, I think that's the case for most people. It's just, we get so nitpicky in the differences. I've always hated church politics because of that. Like, well, we believe this, we believe this, so we got to separate. It's like, yeah. Why can't we just divide over that stuff? Yeah. For yeah. sure. And, but it does sound like you agree with a lot more post-millennials than I know than a lot of pre-millennials. <laughs> so well, that's, that's, of, that's interesting. Yeah. I was, cause I've done the, like I said, I came to realize and understand that many of my friends and people that I value are also post-millennials. And I wanted to, instead of being like, well, you're wrong. I'd be like, well, why do you believe that? Right. How do you come to understand that? And then I can take portions of that that I think are right. And I can incorporate that. Even if I'm not necessarily on that page, I can still go, yeah, that sounds right. Anyways. That's the way we all ought to be, uh, being willing to listen to other people's arguments and not divide over secondary issues if we're all just trying to be faithful Christians. So that's awesome. I'm glad we got to talk today, and I'm glad we discovered that we uh, we agree on even even theologically a lot more than I thought we would in terms of, I mean, even just in the premillennial postmillennial discussion, we agree on a lot more than I thought we would. So that was, that was a fun surprise. Uh, and then hopefully the listeners will find this interesting too. And, and maybe some of the less uh, reasonable premillennials will be bought over at least to your side, if not to my side. So that that's fun. Thanks for coming on. Maybe we can next time talk about a Christian nationalism or reform theology. That was the other thing we could, we could ah, talk yes. about reform theology. And maybe we, I didn't have a, a live conversion to post-millennialism like I was hoping, but maybe I can make some progress somewhere else. <laughs> I think I'm still in the same place where I, I lean one way, but sure. I'm open to everything. And uh, I, I, you know, God will do what he does. And I just trust that my God is, uh, has got everything under control. My God is sovereign. So yeah. Amen. Tell us where people can find you. Uh, you can find me at Instagram. Uh, it's uh, at Spirit of Fear Clothing. And then you can go to my website too if you're interested in the brand, uh, spiritoffear.com. 